0: Hey GT Church family, we're so glad you're joining us for week four of our countercultural series. I'd like to welcome those of you who are with us in Kutztown, those of you in West Lawn, and for those of you who are worshiping with us online. As a matter of fact, if you're watching online, type in the chat where you are watching from so that we can get to know you a little bit better. So this week, I wanna talk to you about something that I believe the world is craving right now. And if I'm being honest, I think that our souls are also craving this as well. You know, the last six months have been pretty incredibly difficult. When I hear people describe what's going on in our world, I hear words like crazy and chaotic and unprecedented. And there's so much stress, so much tension in the world right now. And when I ask people how they're doing, how they're feeling, I hear words like I'm stressed, I am um, just overwhelmed, I'm anxious. And I never hear in the description of how the the state of the world right now, the state of our country right now, or the state of people's souls, I never hear the word peaceful. Never hear anything about peace. As a matter of fact, it's pretty far from it. And so that's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna talk about what peace is. I wanna talk about what peace isn't. And I wanna talk about where you find peace. I wanna talk about what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called. Other translations say they will be recognized as children of God. What did he mean by that? What does that look like for us when we live in a world that is crying out for peace and when our souls are crying out for peace? So over the past six months, I've actually been been doing a deep dive into the Beatitudes. I've been doing a study called The Creative Way Down. And I've been learning a lot, and I have been challenged so much. The Word of God is like a mirror, right? When we look into it, we're supposed to see the things that we need to change, the things that need to be uprooted in our souls so that we can look more and more like Jesus every day. I love the Beatitudes because it's Jesus. He is telling us how to live. So let's start there. Let's start by opening up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter five, and we'll start right at the top. The first verse I've overlooked for all of these years, I'm ashamed to say that, and the first verse I believe packs such a punch. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Jesus saw the crowds, he saw the needs, he saw the busy and the demands, but he chose to go the opposite direction and he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And he does this throughout this ministry where he pulls away from the crowds, he pulls away from the needs, and he just goes off to be by himself. There's a great lesson in this for us, where to find peace. See, before Jesus went to the masses, he went to the mountain. And before the disciples went out to the crowds and encountered the crowds, they encountered Christ, the Prince of Peace. And it goes on to say that his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's saying blessed are those who admit and cry out for their need for God. Blessed are those who mourn those who mourn over their self-sufficiency and over their sin, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those with strength under control, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they want for more, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, those who forgive, for they will be shown mercy. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And remember week one, Pastor Brian talked about that word blessed, what blessed means. Many times we're tempted to think that blessed means lucky or favored or um, prosperous or even successful, but that's not at all what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, Blessed are you who share in my life, who join in my life, who live countercultural the way that I Live. See, you are blessed when you are sharing in the life of Jesus. You know, further along in Matthew, he was asked, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he actually said it boils down to two. And you know what they are. He said, love God and love others. When it comes down to it, love God and love others. And I really believe, when I read the Beatitudes, that Jesus was saying, this is how. This is how you love God. This is how you love others. Others. And it starts with being poor in spirit. It, it starts with humility. It starts with admitting your need for God, admitting, I can't do this on my own. Living countercultural is hard, and I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I think of the Beatitudes as, a, as rungs on a ladder. And the very, very first rung on, a, on the ladder is poor in spirit, it's humility. We can't skip over that one to become a peacemaker. We have to make sure that everything we do is rooted in humility. So Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called, they will be recognized as children of God. There's a lot of peacemakers that we know of and that have lived during our lifetime and and beyond. We've got Martin Luther King Jr. We have um, Rosa Parks, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Nelson and Winnie Mandela but the greatest peacemaker, the ultimate peacemaker of all time is Jesus Christ. See, sometimes I think we put Jesus in this nice, safe, comfortable, passive, peacekeeping box. But Jesus wasn't a peacekeeper. Jesus was a peacemaker. He said some really risky things. He created tension wherever he went. Some thought he was strange. Some thought he was a lunatic. People didn't know how to take him. Jesus created, intentionally created tensions to bring about peace, to bring about, to deepen relationships with God and with one another. I love this, a friend of mine wrote these words. He said, Jesus challenged deep-rooted prejudices by eating with tax collectors and prostitutes. He valued people over sacred traditions. He gave them stormy seas to take away their fear. He angrily interrupted a worship service to expose how greed can corrupt leaders. He publicly debated religious leaders to clarify what really matters. Jesus didn't always explain his words, what his words meant, because he wanted the disciples to wrestle with the deeper meaning. He let them argue and have power struggles to teach them how to serve one another. The lessons Jesus taught his disciples during the stressful and the most difficult moments gave them perseverance and zeal to show a broken world, God's love. See, tension can be good. Jesus also brought peace into this world in the most unexpected way. He came into this world in humility and he died a humiliating death for one purpose, to make peace for us with God and to reconcile us with one another so that we could then be peacemakers. So when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God, he's essentially saying, stir up peace. Stir up peace, and that's how the world will know that you belong to the family of God. Stir up peace. Well, in order to stir up peace, though, we have to know what peace is, right? And we have to know that there's a difference and understand the differences between being a peacemaker, a peacekeeper, and a peace wrecker. And most of us, I know me personally, I've had a lot of come to Jesus moments lately where I've had to look at where I am. Christine, are you being a peacemaker right now? Are you being a peacekeeper? Or are you being a peace wrecker? I've got to examine myself on a regular basis to figure that out. And if you're confused, and you're not sure where you land, here's a little tip. Check your most recent social media posts and filter it through that lens. Peacemaker, peacekeeper, peace wrecker. So what is peace? Well, let me start by saying what peace is not. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus and found in the presence of Jesus. You know, this life is crazy, it is chaotic. There is so much polarization in our world right now. So much divisiveness, so much stress. Everything is politicized, right? Masks are politicized, COVID is politicized, everything has become political. But we need to focus on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus said, in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There will be conflict and tension and unexpected storms. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus, Jesus was saying, hey guys, I just want you to know, don't be surprised when trouble comes. Don't be surprised when things don't go the way that you expect them to go or that the world doesn't look the way that you think that it should look. You will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. It's almost as if he was saying, this is earth, but I came and I died so that you would know you are not alone and so that I could make a way for you to be made right with God so that you could spend eternity in heaven. So life, the temporary circumstances of life and the storms of life are like the blink of an eye compared to eternity in heaven where there is no stress, no tension, no storms, no disease, no COVID, no politics, just Jesus. I want to show you this picture. This is a picture of a painting from the 1600s. It's from, Ren- Rembrandt is the painter, and it's called Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. And when you look at this picture, I just want to ask you what you notice. And if you're watching online, type in the chat, what do you notice about this picture? And then what I want you to do is I want you to look, this is actually a picture that depicts a story in the Bible where Jesus went out on a boat with the disciples, and um, a storm started to rage and he was taking a nap, peacefully sleeping in the back of the boat and the storm starts to rage and the the waves come crashing over the boat and they start freaking out, as you can see here in this picture. And they're waking Jesus up and saying, do something, save us, we are about to die and you're taking a nap? Just have all this peace? I want you to look at this picture and I want you to count how many people you see, how many disciples are on the boat. Most people count 12. But now I want you to look one more time and I wanna see if you notice this man. There's a man sitting at the feet of Jesus. Perfect peace. Storm is raging. People freaking out all over him. And this man is just sitting in peace at the feet of Jesus. When you look at this painting, I wonder where do you see yourself in this painting? right now. When I looked at the painting, I had to do that. I looked at the painting and I thought, which one of these people am I? Because I believe with all of my heart that you want to be just like me. You, wanna, you want to, like I want to, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to sit at the feet of, the G, of Jesus when all of the world is crazy and I want to rest in him. But I don't always look that way. You see, we can have peace in the midst of the storm and not because the storm isn't raging but because we're not alone in the storm. Remember what Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble but take heart. You are not alone. I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you and it's not going to last forever. I came to make a way for you to be at peace. Here on this earth, and then for eternity in heaven. So, what have you? Which one have you been lately? Peacemaker, peacekeeper, peace wrecker. Let's talk about each one of those. Have you ever heard the saying, "Don't add fuel to the fire," meaning don't make a situation worse by intentionally making it worse? Well. That, I want to use that analogy of the fire right now. So a peacekeeper is somebody who hears that there's a fire. Hey, there's a fire up ahead and they say, oh, n- what fire? And they walk away and they go in the opposite direction. They avoid conflict at all costs. Peacemakers, and I find myself sometimes in this camp where I might be looking at the circumstances around me and saying, oh, I just want things to settle down. I just want things to be peaceful. I just want things to be back to normal. I just want things... But then you know what I've been challenged in my heart lately to pray a different prayer. I've been praying that, Lord, use this disruption and these disruptions, these fires burning all around, to do the work that needs to be done, to bring about the change that needs to be brought about, to bring peace into this world. Then you have the peace record. They're the people that oh that that pour fire on a uh, poor gas on the fire lately i've been feeling like it's not so much gas as it is sticks of dynamite man it's heartbreaking and sometimes i'm guilty throw the stick of dynamite on the fire and the fire just gets bigger and it explodes and then i'm reminded of proverbs 15:1 that says a gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words harsh Posts, can I add that there? Make tempers flare. I was talking to a a good friend of mine the other day who was publishing a book about mental health and we were talking a lot about the brain and what happens in the brain when the brain over a period of time is in its continual state of stress and trauma. And it's fascinating to me because I think when you look at, for all of us, we have all experienced trauma after trauma after trauma over the last six or so months. And this political climate that we're in just makes everything that much worse. And so, after time, time after time of of experiencing trauma and stress, what the brain starts to do is it drips cortisol. I believe it's the right side of the brain begins to drip cortisol nonstop into the left side of the brain. And that keeps us in a constant state of fight or flight. That keeps our posture, keeps it a posture of defense versus a posture of humility. And I thought that was so fascinating. And and they said the only thing to really combat that is to do what Jesus did and to go to the mountainside and get away in quiet and silence and solitude, to be able to take time, to be able to have self-control when we want to respond out of anger because we're just triggered and the emotions are high because when that cortisol is dripping in our brain and we're in that state of fight or flight constantly, what's happening is, we are hyper-sensitive, we are hyper-emotional, we are hyper-vigilant. It's as if we're seeing bears all around us. And we need that time to just get away with Jesus, to sit as, at his feet, and to experience peace so that we can carry that peace off into the world. I have heard this quote, never bite off a man's nose and then give him a rose. In other words, don't attack somebody and then expect them to listen you tell them about the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, why would we ever think that would work? Think about it. I mean, when you look at the Bible, the times when Jesus was harsh or when he was, um, you know, when he created tension, a lot of times it was toward people who were super religious and pious and self-righteous. And um, I don't see him doing that to win people over to God, and so why should we? Peacemakers are people who suspend judgments. They suspend their judgments and their preconceived notions and they choose to see all people through a sacred lens. I say sometimes, we've gotta put our God goggles on. We've got to see everyone, regardless of how they vote or what opinions they have or what they think about COVID or all of the things, it doesn't matter. Every single human being is made in the image of God and worthy of love and respect. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, peacemakers have that sacred lens. Peacemakers do what Pastor Scott talked about last week. When he talked to me, he said, let's decide to not have enemies. Let's decide that we don't have enemies that every single human being is made in the image of God. No enemies. Let's shift our perspective. Peacemakers also don't take sides. There's a story about that in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. See, we've become so polarized. The only side, though, that we should be taking is the side of God, the gospel of peace. That's the only banner that we should be waving right now. So peacemakers also take a posture of humility. Remember the rungs on the ladder, right? That first rung, poor in spirit, humility. It's a posture of listening and learning. Listening and learning, and it's important to recognize when we talk about listening, listening doesn't mean agreeing. But peacemakers break bread with people who are different than them. And they listen from a place of empathy they listen to understand. They listen to put themselves in someone else's shoes, to have a better understanding and to shift their perspective. There's also there's a different kind of listening, a deeper type of listening called generative listening. And it's something that I am so eager to learn more about and start to apply to my own life. It's a type of listening that actually where both people are coming, listening from a place of not just wanting to understand and put themselves in the other person's shoes to have empathy, but it's the kind of listening that creates an atmosphere where we're able to talk about a better future together and envision a better future together because we're listening that deeply. So peacemaking is perspective shifting for sure. When we listen, we learn. And when we learn, what we do is we pause our own experience to be able to be empathetic, to stand in someone's shoes and perspective, and then speak from that perspective. Because what we do is when we listen and we learn, we begin to live differently. I have loved over the past several months, our leadership team and our board and our elders and a few others have participated in a Be the Bridge group. And a Be The Bridge group is all about racial unity. It's helping us understand. We've had incredibly hard conversations about history and systemic racism, and and we've been able to share from different perspectives based on our background and our culture. And it has shifted the perspective of every single person in the group and made us aware of things that we had no idea even existed because... Of our own limited experience. And it's causing us to think differently and lead differently, live differently, because isn't that what it's all about? When we encounter Jesus, we should encounter a heart change. We are constantly being made into the image of God and remade and remade, and I'm just so thankful for God's mercy and love. And remember, it starts with being poor in spirit. Peacemakers also stir up peace by being bold and speaking out against things that hurt people or oppress people. And they call people to accountability, just as Jesus did. And not to add fuel to the fire or gasoline to the fire, but just to say, you know, when we look at the cross of Jesus, there's two beams, right? So the first beam, I look at that is love, the unconditional agape love of Jesus. And then this other um, part of the cross, justice. And when we combine the cross with peace and justice in the name of Jesus, I'm sorry, love and justice in the name of Jesus, that's where we find true peace, shalom, reconciliation. It's incredible. Peacemakers build bridges with wood from an old, rugged cross. So let's stir up peace. But the reality is, you can't make peace unless you know peace. Because you can't take people to places that you've never been. You can't give away something that you don't personally possess. So do you know peace As a follower of Jesus, are you making, are you carving out time in your life to get away with Jesus, to sit at his feet, to meditate on his word, to pray, to sit in silence and solitude and to listen, to examine your heart, to see what part you play and what part you can play to usher peace into this world? And then do you know the peacemaker? Some of you may be listening right now and you're thinking, yeah, that sounds great, but I've never encountered Jesus. Maybe some of you have never put your faith and trust in the Prince of Peace. Maybe you've never asked for forgiveness of your sins. You've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to the Prince of Peace so that you can encounter that deep sense of peace in the midst of the storm. I remember that feeling. I remember being so far from God. My life was falling apart. Circumstances around me were a mess. And somebody, by the way, she was a peacemaker in her countenance and in the way that she lived. And I remember her introducing me to Jesus and I remember thinking, yes, I want, I desperately need that kind of peace. And so if that's you, if you're here today and you have never made a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to do that today. I'm going to ask you to accept that sacred invitation to follow Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life. Jesus was the son of God. He came to this earth to make peace between you and God and to make peace between you and others. To make you a peacemaker so that you could join him in this ministry of reconciliation to bring peace to this broken world. Jesus died on a cross. And it was as if he said to the people around him, so you don't agree with me? You don't like me? You betray me? You spit on me? You mock me? You hang me to a cross? I'll show you. I'll die for you. That's the kind of love that God has for you, that he sent his one and only son to this earth to be the punishment and take the punishment for all of your sins, for the sins of the world, but personally you, all of your sins, so that you could be made right with God, that your relationship with him could be restored and so that one day you could spend eternity in heaven with him. See, we live in this cancel culture, right? If you don't agree with me, I cancel you. But that's the opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, you don't agree with me, I'll die for you. I'll cancel your debt. Let's be peacemakers like that. Instead of canceling people, what if we begin to cancel debts? So if that's you today, you wanna accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior, I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I am a sinner and I need a savior. I ask you to forgive my sins and make me new. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. I believe that you died on a cross to forgive my sins. And I believe that three days later, you were raised to life so that I might have eternal life. I choose to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, congratulations. We are so excited for you. And we want to be a part of your journey. So if you're in Westlawn or Town, we have packets that look like this that have some free resources in them that will help you on your journey. And if you're watching online, if you just go ahead and click the link in the, in the chat, it says, I wanna follow Jesus. I just made a commitment to follow Jesus. We'll get you those free resources as well. We have those digitally available for you. We wanna come alongside of you. We wanna be a part of your journey together. What I'd like to do now is... Um, share in communion together. Because communion is is an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus did for us. It's an opportunity for us to recognize and thank him for his sacrifice. As we remember Jesus' broken body and the blood that he shed on the cross, would you also accept his sacred invitation? to usher peace into this world, to bring the ministry of rec- reconciliation to our hurting, broken world. I want to start by, um, before you take communion, I'm going to ask you to examine your life. I'm going to ask you to examine yourself and make sure that you're right before God. See, part of being right before God is making him the Lord over everything every aspect of your life, and letting his peace and forgiveness flow through you and out to others. First Corinthians eleven twenty seven says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So, ask God to soften your heart right now. Ask God to help you see how he has made peace with you so that you can be a peacemaker for others. Ask God to search your heart, to show you if there are people in your life that you need to go and make things right with, make peace with. See, Jesus accepted the sacred invitation to be a peacemaker when he left the comfort and perfection of heaven so ask god to search your heart today to help you see what it is you need to do are you being a peacemaker right now are you being a peacekeeper right now are you being a peace wrecker lord search our hearts show us we need to, what needs to be uprooted, what needs to change so that we can look more and more like you. So Matthew 26, verse 26 says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And we, when he took the bread, he'd given thanks. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat it. This is my body. See, the bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. He paid the ultimate penalty and took the sin of the world upon him so that we could have peace with God. So let's take the bread and eat it now and remember Jesus. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The wine or the juice represents crushing when we are crushed when we live countercultural it's not easy to live the jesus way it's not easy to live out the beatitudes it's so upside down and we need the help of the holy spirit in order to be able to do that we are peace when we are peacemakers though we are most like christ jesus said how blessed are you when you make peace for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. Let's take the cup and drink. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to be an atonement, a sacrifice for all of our sins. Thank you for his body that was broken and his blood that was shed to cover over all of our sin to usher in peace into our lives so that then we could extend it to others. We thank you and we praise you. And it's in your strong and matchless name, Jesus, that we pray, amen. So almost 800 years ago, a remarkable man was born. A man who is known as a true child of God. 800 years ago, and people are still talking about him today. Although he was the son of an Italian cloth merchant and destined to be a knight, he gave up all of the opportunities. He abandoned the path of wealth and fame, and he chose instead to wear a ragged cloak tied with a cord that was borrowed from a scarecrow. He spent his days preaching and giving to others. He lived in utter poverty. History records that he was a noble, kind, humble, Christ-like man, one of the greatest Christians and peacemakers who ever lived. We know him today as St. Francis of Assisi. Centuries after his death, somebody took one of the prayers that he wrote and they, they put it into English. And I'd like to close our time together with this prayer because I believe that when we live out this prayer, people will recognize us. They will recognize us as children of God because there's nothing greater that we can do with our lives than to bring peace to those who are separated from God and from each other. So will you today accept Jesus's sacred invitation? And I say it's a sacred invitation because number one, Jesus is calling us to it. But number two, because we can't possibly do it on our own. We can't possibly be peacemakers without the help of the Holy Spirit so if you accept Jesus's sacred invitation to share in his life to be peacemakers to be ambassadors of peace and ministers of reconciliation for the sake of the world will you repeat this prayer after me Lord make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred let me sow love as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. A peace that passes all understanding and a peace that passes through you to the broken world around you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Thanks for joining us for another week of our countercultural series. If you missed out on any of the previous messages, you can always take a listen on our GT Church podcast or watch them on our website. I hope you take some time this week to reflect on Pastor Christine's message from today and consider joining us for our Growing Together segment this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on Facebook and our YouTube channel. We're going to dive even further into some of the things that Pastor Christine mentioned in her message today, and we'll do our best to answer any questions you may have so you don't want to miss out. We have a lot of things going on here at GT Church, including our upcoming Glow in the Dark event on November 1st. We don't want you to miss out on any of it, so you can stay connected with us all week long on our social media everywhere at GT Church Online. You can also download our GT Church app. It's a great resource, and you can find everything you need there, including all of the events that we have coming up for the rest of the year. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you this Wednesday night for our Growing Together segment with Pastor Christine at 7 o'clock on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel.